0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Film Fives, part two of our Lauren and Hardy adventure. With me, Russell Guyver, with my usual co-host, Phil Newman. Hello, Phil. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah,
1: very, very good. Thank you.
0: Excellent. And we also have our third wheel as well, so to speak. It's Mr. Robin Woolley. Welcome back to the podcast, Robin.
2: Thank you. Survived episode one, one episode. Haven't been kicked out yet.
0: Uh, and <laughs> no um, neither shall you be as we go into our second uh, deep dive so to speak into oliver and stan and their feature length works there's not so many of these so it wouldn't have taken several months to do the research on this one um but there's a few classics out there i'm sure we'll have some of the to talk about. We don't need to do our usual introduction to describe who these guys are because I'm sure if you have listened, uh, if you are regulars, you would have listened to the last episode. If you haven't, go back and listen to that one first because we may plot spoil some of it or th- uh, who knows. <laughs> who knows? But with this one, we're talking about feature length films of Lauren and Hardy. Um, and um, we're going to alternate the order directly opposite to last time. So it's going to be Phil first, it's going to be Robin second, and then me third to give our countdowns each time round um so without any further ado unless anyone's got anything else to mention we'll go straight into it so phil what have you got at number five
1: so just quickly i thought a little note on the kind of history i know i kind of mentioned this briefly in the last episode so um what, what happened was, is they were kind of happy doing one-reelers and two, tw- two-reeler two kind of films of about 20 minutes or 40 minutes. Um, Hal Roach, um, who was kind of run the studios that they, they were kind of contracted to, he had the idea for a two-reeler set in a prison um, and he wanted to use um, an MGM set. And they said, only if we can borrow your stars. And he didn't want to do that. So he realised he'd have to build his, to make his own uh, prison set uh, film he'd have to build his own set but that was quite expensive so he thought well it's gonna have to be a 4 reader to get the full money's worth and then we can get into the uh into the into the feature feature market that that was pardon us in uh 1931 that uh did very, very well, and within a couple of years of that, they were exclusively working on, on on feature films. And when we say feature films, I'm pretty much talking about anything that's between an hour and an hour and a half. I'm yeah. presuming you're using pretty much the same definition. Yeah,
0: that's, that's right, yeah. yeah. Features yeah. weren't quite as long as they are nowadays, generally.
1: Yeah. Right, so let's kick things off. My number five um, is from 1939. It is The Flying Juices. Yeah. Uh, directed by A. Edward Sutherland. So this is the one where Ollie has fallen in love again um, with the innkeeper's daughter in Paris. Uh, her name is Georgette. Um, the only problem is she's very much in love with her husband. Um, and to forget, her, uh, him and Stan and Laurel sign up with the Foreign Legion and uh, are, are off in a desert. The main problem being that their kind of commanding officer there is the husband of Georgette. <laughs> <laughs>
0: great isn't it it's so good
1: yeah so this is uh, we alluded to this, uh in the previous episode this is a kind of partial remake of their short bow hunks that came out a few years before um one of the actors charles b middleton he kind of reprises his role as the legion commandant um james Finlayson who we mentioned he he makes an appearance in this as a, as a jailer yeah um oh it's just it, it's just The main reason I I I kind of picked this is um, the laundry scene is absolutely hilarious. It just (laughs) it's just so well done, and um, and it's another one where they milk the joke and they build up build up. Well, they're having to do the laundry, and then it kind of sort of pans out, and they show above, and they've got this like mountain of laundry to get through, and they're trying to work through it all. Oh, it's it's a hilarious film. Yeah, I'm presuming you've both seen it. Oh yes. Yeah, we have.
2: Not for a very long time, but yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's one where there's, there's, that certain, the, the degree of fast is almost taken to extreme lengths. I yes. mean, the bit, kind of, and it, you see a lot of their, um, a lot of the Jeopardy is obviously a bit more, uh, lethal in this one than you'd expect. Yeah. I think it's, it's this is one where they end up flying and Stan accidentally Fly. starts on an aeroplane. Aeroplane
1: at the end. It's a bit yeah, like the car news, at yeah. the end of County Hospital, but in an aeroplane. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's just, yeah, and then Ollie ends up I don't want to totally spoil the ending, but there is a there's a kind of catchphrase is uttered um by Ollie but in slightly different circumstances to to normal is probably how I'll put it without spoiling the <laughs> the ending <laughs> for everybody.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an- a great one. Yeah, it's another one. It's also the one where um um Ollie decides he's gonna commit suicide and he's gonna throw himself in the Seine and he's got this oh, yeah. bro- brick that he's going to kind of throw in but, the, but it depends which version you've seen I've heard it's been cut out in some versions but there's an escaped shark in the scene that keeps kind of going back using this fin going backwards and forwards before they kind of talked out of it and they decided to join the French foreign legion instead but I, I like like most of their films it's, it's around about 70 minutes it establishes uh, the kind of story quite quickly you can write it on the back of a mat at the, the plot and and it's just it's it's a it's a series of set pieces linked together that are, of, of which are hilarious uh, and just uh, just seeing them trying to be in the army I mean it's the same in there um, but there's a film called Bonnie Scotland when they're in the army as well um, we're just just trying to kind of fit in with everybody else and the discipline is it's is, is just amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. It, I mean, the, the whole foreign legion thing. Obviously, it's the short and the and the feature that both covered it. But, um Yeah, that's part of the. I think that's probably the next most famous imagery from Laurel and Hardy. I would say after the um the stairs scene from the man uh, from the music box. I would yeah. say in terms of what people bring to mind if they've seen stuff before in the distant past, trying to recall. Yeah, uh, it's the first thing I thought of actually when I was thinking back to, to it when we first started doing the research. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. A good choice, Phil. And I wonder if it uh, fits in with Robin's number five. Let's find out. What's he got?
2: My number five is Swiss Smith. Oh, I love that 1938. One. Um, slightly longer running time, about 73 minutes. Um, I've got, bizarrely, considering I've put it in the top five, I do have somewhat mixed feelings about this one, which I'll, elaborate on in a minute Mm. the reason why it fits in the top five there's a particular scene in here which you can probably imagine what i'm going to mention which is the bridge if i think about any yeah if i think (laughs) about any Lauren hardy scene and i close my eyes this will be the one that will automatically come to my head which is you know the rickety bridge the piano And and everyone in tyrolean dress um and you get this kind sort of glorious mix of sort of slapstick and suspense because you're not quite sure. But it's yeah, slightly surreal as sort of well because there's no
1: it's never explained why a gorilla is, No it, why is is it a gorilla?
2: There? You kind of know why they're moving the piano because obviously the you know the composer wants to be as far away as possible and there's naturally a rickety bridge. So I think there's a little hut on the other side of it, isn't there? Where he wants to go and yeah. compose. Yeah. Um the slight bit of trivia that I've um i've I've got to this is that i think phil you mentioned earlier that stan had a few run-ins with with hal roach on the kind of directing side of it and in this one stan had originally he wanted to up the stakes slightly in this scene by actually having a bomb in the piano
1: um (laughs)
2: yeah i'm not quite sure why i think he obviously didn't get his way in this but i think it's probably quite a good thing he didn't get his way because i can't think of a I can't think of a natural bit of the plot
1: that would have led to being a bomb in the piano. Why would you put? Oh, yeah. A, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is this is the one where um, uh, that Stan and Ollie are mouse trap salesman um, who moved yeah. to Switzerland because mice like cheese, and therefore <laughs> this could, they'll be able to sell a lot more mouse traps. And they end up staying in, in a in a hotel um, because they're kind of swindled out of their money, aren't they? There's a brilliant brilliant um scene when they're in the cheese shop when they're drilling holes wow. in the floor it's just, so good isn't it it's, it's a fantastic scene. and so they it's end up the having to, home, there you go they, so they end up obviously having to work in in the, in the in the kitchens to kind of pay for their pay for all the room and board that they that, that they've had and staying at the same hotel with an opera singer and his wife who he doesn't want to be there <laughs> It's, it's, and it's another one where it's
2: it's actually it's a it's another sort of seemingly brilliant idea from Sam, which is to take a mousetrap business to a country that's full of tea. Yeah. It's just obviously poor, poorly executed. <laughs> um, and there's this the kind of the you know being paid with a false currency in the tea shop, and they're then yeah. going to use the false currency to then go and have a slap up meal, whilst of course being very rude to the chef, yeah. who then turns out yeah. they can't pay. Um, but the, the bit that kind of slightly. It's the, the, the composer and his wife, um, Victor and Anna, are the, they're the two characters in the, the Lauren Hardy universe that I probably find the most irritating. Um, yeah, actually. I can see that. Um, and, but I think it, it does have, it does have the, the effect of actually, it creates an even stronger desire for, for, for the audience to kind of want Lauren Hardy as the underdog to kind of prevail over them.
1: Because think, um, yeah, Victor Albert, isn't it the the composer? He's yeah. horrible because he just wants everybody to he wants to be kind of have the right conditions to work it. So he doesn't want his yeah. wife there, and he wants everybody to wear a certain type of dress in the hotel. Yeah, it's and like no noise. Everything has to be correct. Yeah.
2: And obviously, um his wife then uses Ollie or sort of uses Ollie's heart as a pawn in her game to you make know, yeah. husband jealous. And you know, Ollie being, as we said, the kind of you know, this sort of innocent, simple character kind of falls, falls in love with her and obviously becomes sort of collateral damage. And you've got this brilliant scene where he then goes they're her, um, yeah. you know, at, at one point. But it's, um, my main kind of criticism of it is that it tries too hard to be a proper film. Um, in that if you look at this, you go, there's, it's there's such a big cast, you know, it looks, there's a lot of, it just, it's quite unlike Laurel and Hardy. It looks like Hal Roach decided he wanted to try and make something that was basically a proper.
1: I think he was actually thing. it might have been this film or it might have been another film that year, that he was looking to move into colour as well, but the I think yeah. they looked into the cost of it and, and then it never kind of kind of thought, well, no, it's just it's just not worth the effort. But the kind of the impact of it is that you you lose the, the
2: kind of the scenes that Stan and Ollie sort of solo scenes. Get used to and all of this. A lot of them feel a lot more rushed in this compared to some of the other films because you're kind of feeling like they, they're shoehorned in there to try and get the plot moving along. Um, there's and a I actually, couple I of think, big,
1: big musical numbers as well. Aren't, yeah, aren't we'll season... breaking into form. Yeah. A, they, they kind of have a bit of a tradition of of kind of having branding or sort of a blending operetta and, and comedy, which I had no idea because you've got di Avalo, you've got Babes in Toilet, and you've got the Bohemian yeah. Girl, which have all these links to opera, which you wouldn't think slapstick would be a really good bedfellow for it, but they they managed to make it work just about somehow. Yeah, it does. I think it's. I I've come.
2: I find myself thinking if you sort of if you actually remove the main plot from there and the kind of slight irritating side characters, what you're actually left with is the core ingredients for a very another very good short. Yeah. If, like, if you were to look at it in those terms. But I say it's, it's in the top five, partly just because you cannot leave that iconic scene with the bridge and the gorilla. Yeah, it's, that's um, one of is, my favourites, yeah. <laughs> you just can't leave it out. So that's why it's, um, it's in there, but it's very much in this. Yeah.
0: It's, that, that's it. How much weight do you put on... Uh, scenes that are just so symbolic, so um, iconic. Does, yeah. that, does that propel it in rating? I suppose it does sometimes, doesn't it? If it yeah, played, well, yeah, it, 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 it. That,
1: it made me laugh a lot. I've got to be honest.
0: this. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Shall I go for my number five then? Yeah. Yeah, cool. It won't take long because it's already been mentioned. It's Flying Juices. I had a, a real... Trauma deciding on my number five, this quite often happens, and I always mention this, but um, my top four were set actually, but number five i wasn 't sure I was tempted with saps at sea for a while, which I yeah. found intensely amusing with a like a brutish uh, thug on the run who he 's described as an international spy but he looks like a like a low-grade boxer. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, apparently he's a dangerous killer. He's escaped on the run, and um, he, he stumbles across these guys who have decided to have take the sea air by, by staying on a moored boat. But yes. the moored boat doesn't say moored because the goat gnaws at the rope, the goat that they brought with them for the goat's milk, uh, gnaws away at the rope. The rope takes them away to sea, and unfortunately the, um, the dangerous criminal is hiding out in the... Somewhere on the boat when they when it floats off, that's quite funny. And it nearly, yeah, that,
1: that was their last uh, Hal Roach film, wasn't it? And probably their last yeah. good film.
0: And uh, flying uh, and, um, and and pick up your uh, pack up your troubles and a chump at Oxford were close, but didn't make it as well for me. But. First film without Hal Roach is the one I picked at number five. So we've already talked about it. It's quite okay. vicious Yeah, yeah, great so film. I haven't really got much more to say about that, other than one bit of trivia I've read, which is that um, apparently um, this is where Oliver Hardy met his future wife, script supervisor Virginia mm-hmm. Lizard- Jones. Oh, okay, yeah. that's the only bit. A question,
1: yeah,
2: and- no, I've got nothing to add. Nothing else to add on that either. It's one yeah. that I haven't watched for a while, so it's prompted me to put it towards the top of my list of. Once
0: to go and watch again? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And in fact, actually, one other, one other bit I'm reading says, um, sadly, the boys would only make, end up making one good film after this one (brackets Saps at Sea) before moving to MGM and Fox, where they were stuck. And a bunch of bad or very average films that's what it says on yeah 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 exactly.
1: i think it's because stan would be so heavily involved in the writing and the directing and every part of it yeah. <laughs> and when he moved, yeah, when he moved yeah, to mgm talking. and fox they were like no you're an actor you go where it and do as you're told exactly and it was it, was, it, was it wasn't, the same. Yeah. Yeah. wasn't it which is odd considering how successful and how prolific they'd
2: been with that formula of him being yeah. I think the yeah, films that they, they,
1: they yeah, did that's... in the forties were still very successful, but, I, but and they still made oh, obviously a bench. lot of money at the no. time. But but yeah, commercially successful, but maybe not quite so critically successful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so
0: can... um,
1: yeah, my my number four actually is uh, Swiss Miss. So. <laughs> Okay. Hence, yeah. I had some notes on it. The only other sort of thing I had to mention is directed by um, John G. Blystone, who, right after they made this, they made another film called um, Blockheads. And um, he was ill, I think, while making both of these films, and he died shortly after Blockheads was uh, was mm-hmm. completed. But I think yeah. he directed a few of their films. Yeah. Well, yeah. handily, it's a nice little segue Blockheads
2: is my number four
0: and it's my number four as well <laughs> and it's my number three so
2: <laughs> let's, let's talk about this for a while so blockhead 1938 running time it's under an hour the thing that attracts me to this one um, is it's got this kind of Simpsons like predictive quality where you know there's the real life story of the Japanese soldier I think Hiru Anada who exactly. continues to fight in World War 2 for 29 years after the armistice Yeah, only believe over. Basically, he wouldn't believe the war was over until his original yeah. war commander came and told him to kind of lay down his arms. and they must and have
0: why, got... I bet they did they must have been influenced it's by it kind of, well no because um, this film came, out, came out before
1: World War 2
0: Oh yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, so, so they wouldn't have done, would yeah.
1: they? <laughs> that's a very good
0: point, Phil. Well, well they were really. Predictive. This is set in the World um, War One. Yeah. So the Japanese, um, the Japanese soldier was influenced by Oliver Hardy and Stan Laurel. Yeah, very I think
2: potentially that's my that's my big academic theory from this. No, it, um, that's what's kind of always um, piqued my interest. slightly is it had this this kind of predictive um, quality about it? And you've obviously got you know Stan. So the premise is that you know they're in. They're in World War One, they go over the top to this big battle, Ollie goes off over the top, and for some reason Stan is left behind to guard the
1: guard the the trench. trench. And
2: yeah. then he then stands guarding his toast for I think it's twenty years, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Um, and I think it, it's kind of it's the perfect characterization of his his very literal nature as a character yeah. to basically stand there and guard this and he will
1: basically until he's told. And you can see that you can see there's this huge pile of tins that he's been eating yeah, the same yeah. thing. And you can see where he's been wa- he's been marching and turning around because he's just sort of drilled a hole in, it, know, in the kind hole. of this yeah. yeah yeah. It's um it's very good and you get
2: this quite unusual you know moving scene where Ollie and Stan are kind of reunited after Stan is kind of it comes back home and I think Ollie reads about it in the
1: newspaper doesn't he? he yeah it, I think. Brand, um, also Simultaneously hilarious because he couldn't get comfortable in a wheelchair, so he decided to ch- sit on one of his legs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then Oliver the thinks that, that, he, that he must have lost his leg, and he's trying to help him with him and carry him. And then he's, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's not a short joke; he goes on for a few minutes. Just... And he's yeah, carrying no, him. Isn't
0: he? yeah. At one point, yeah, he puts him them, and he down and he, he walks around and does something, and then he, he yeah, does, doesn't Oliver doesn't realize and picks him back up. <laughs> they go all the way home. Um,
2: and, you know, so this is another one with a staircase that takes, you know, center stage as the, um, as the kind of the basis for the gag. And you've also got the throwback moment to Stan using the thumb as a lighter. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And this is
2: the one you referenced earlier where it then uses the other thumb as a working pipe as well, yeah. which is the kind <laughs> of the, um, the add-on to it. Um, and it's, it was kind of, it was this film. It's sort of, as we said earlier, it's, um, it really shows you making, that they're making a total mess of apparently sort of trivial aspects of a normal day. That's basically the premise of the film is they're just managing to mess up very normal stuff. And it's, as I said, it's kind of... Stan's
1: kind of having to kind of readjust his life to kind of being back. And I think there's been new inventions in the time that he's been away. And and so the the world's moved on and he's a little bit behind, yeah.
0: Yeah. And also um, there's a subplot, isn't there? Because it's it's, it's Ollie's wedding anniversary, which he's forgotten. His wife reminds me and he, he gets away with the reminder he smooths that over but then of course the distraction of finding out literally in the hallway as soon as he leaves the building uh, li- leaves the apartment uh, building he uh, he realises that Stan's been discovered and then of course he completely forgets about the anniversary and so he
1: he, he looks for help from his next door neighbour who <laughs> <laughs> Mrs Gilbert who's unfortunately Mr Gilbert again played by Billy Gilbert had just
0: come back from hunting animals abroad that day yeah. Well actually that reminds all of the nearly all of the characters in these stories uh, just use their normal names, don't they? I mean yeah, often. Stan and Ollie, yeah, no. and you've got James Finlayson and you've got as you said Billy in Dale, Sons of the Desert, you've got Charlie, they don't bother having Charlie a different Charlie Italy, Chase Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't bother having a different name, do they? They just go with their own no. names, which is mad. But yeah, it's, it's it's lots of lots of detail going on here. The, the bit about the leg is brilliant, obviously so it's really yeah. <laughs> funny. I don't know, you didn't ask. <laughs> With the going up yeah. the step,
1: they're having to walk all the way up the stairs, 13, getting, get, getting yeah. in a fight with James Finlayson on the way up,
0: <laughs> and indeed Brilliant. with a, a kid uh, playing American football. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the 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 lift is out of order, so they have to go up 13 flights. Oh yeah, forgotten about the lift. Yeah,
1: they go all the way but down nice one up, one where you can five, see
2: all of the jokes are coming a mile off. Yeah, and even though you, yeah. you've seen them delivered in 50 different ways. The, the joy is you you always know it's going to be delivered in just a slightly subtly different way. But it's basically going to be the same joke. But, um, yeah, so that's my, what's that, my number four. Yeah.
1: I yeah. think so at the time um, the people were living kind of in the shadow of the, the Second World War. Um, Charlie Chaplin around about that time released a film called The Great Dictator, which was a kind of savage kind of indictment of the how how bad war is <laughs> for want of a better words. Uh, but for Lauren and hardy there's no political statement they're just trying to, to get as many jokes as they they possibly can and they don't really seem to care what the circumstances are yeah yeah um
0: yeah spot on i think um there's quite a few battle scenes in
1: it in the beginning i think they stole it from a lot of films that like that actually got kind of come out quite recently so all quite on the western front yeah. Rings and the big parade, they stole all the bits out of it to try and kind of give it a bit of a blockbuster beginning with <laughs> the explosions before they're about to go over the top.
0: Yeah, hmm. good stuff. Yeah, so as I said, that's your uh, your number five, four. No, sorry, four. yeah, you're... yeah, no, sorry, yes, Robin, Robin and my are number four, and, and my number, number three. three, yeah, right, yes. So we're already back to Robin, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's cool. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, my third is Our Relations. Ah uh, yes, from, yeah. from 1936. Again, another one running time just over over 73 minutes. Um, what I enjoy about this one, because I know we've we've talked about the two the two kind of basic Laura and Hardy worlds that you get or setups that you get, is either they're either these kind of hopeless drifters moving to the world looking for money, or they're doing quite well in life but in ter- terrifying marriages. And in this one, you manage to get both worlds colliding in the same film.
0: Yes, which is quite enjoyable.
2: Yeah. Um, so you've obviously got one set. Of, you've got the one set of twins who are the ones who are presumed to have um, uh, died at some point. Who are the the kind of the, the drifters, as it were. And you've got the you've got Stan and Ollie who are playing themselves, uh, obviously in a in a kind of slightly well-to-do situation. And for me, it's similar to Swiss Miss in some ways. In that this one the plot is quite convoluted and quite complicated and it demonstrates and Ollie's ability to actually act, which is what we referenced earlier. There are a few films where they actually need to demonstrate some straight acting ability to actually help the plot sort of move along towards its conclusion. So in this, you've still got all the usual slapstick stuff, yeah. but it requires a, an element of straight acting to actually allow it to do what it's set up to do. Um, which I think
1: they'd had from their kind of theatre days, didn't they? They brought up with the yeah. whole acting, singing, slapstick routines. So they had a lot of sort of fairly large skill sets from which, and singing as well. In Oliver's case, yeah, from which kind of choose from. And I think
2: this one, unlike Sir Smith,
1: I think I think the plot actually works
2: in this. You know, that the, the character is a bit more believable. The ending is a bit more sort of discernible and complete. And to me, it feels like. It feels like a feature film with Lauren Hardy starring in it, rather than a Lauren Hardy film.
0: If yes, that makes yes, hundred percent. Yeah,
2: that's kind of my my way of describing it.
0: It's more cerebral, isn't it? There's more detail in here. You've got the because yes. you've got two twins, and there's mistaken identity because different people are wandering into different areas and complicating the story. You've got a lot more to think about. And you have to keep on your on your toes to keep keep up where, where you are. It's fast. And then really you get, they, they yeah, You've got the special elements of
2: actually because obviously, when, the, when um, Alf and Bert go offshore, they're obviously not in their, their kind of navy uniforms. You've got this immediate thing of how you're supposed to identify which is, which, you know, which, who is Alf and Bert and who's, yeah, they go, and they, go for,
0: they go for food it's and they, they meet those girls and they say, well, we'll go back to the ship and we'll, we'll change into, like, you yeah, know, more suitable attire, yeah, sort of normal stuff.
2: <laughs> so then you've automatically got that thing of oh which one is which and we were talking about music earlier and this is one where they use the musical cues to differentiate them
1: yes so they get
2: for yeah. they, they play the theme tune for Laurel and Hardy and then I think for um Alf and Bert they play some sort of I think it's like a horn it's some sort of navel sort of horn pipe or something um, mm. and the other the other very subtle way they do it is that um Obviously, Stan wears a bow tie normally and Ollie wears a more conventional tie and it's reversed for Alf and Bert. Yeah. Which you've got these kind of several cues to help you. But as you say, the fact that they all end up in the restaurant at some point obviously creates the, um, creates the farce there. And you've got obviously the acting ability comes through because you've got to have this genuine incredulity of when Stan and Ollie are kind of accosted to pay the bill that, you know, Alf and Bert have run up. So you've actually, that relies on them being able to. Carry that scene off, yeah, you know, with a degree of believability. Um, yeah. But it's still got all the farcical moments. Like you know, they, they get the letter, they get the letter with the with the photos, don't they? of The twins and Ollie sets fire to it, and he puts it, it back into his pocket whilst it's still burning. And Stan's <laughs> got, his, he's got a teapot. He uses a teapot, I think, to try and extinguish the burning, yeah. <laughs> still burning letter. And yeah. you've got all of the, all of the kind of wig based jokes made at Finn's expense. They, just, yeah, they do write themselves yeah. um, and then you've got that probably the most memorable scene is where they're putting concrete yeah, left on the side of the bay kind of teetering you know like sort of
0: weevils in the, in the wind as to um, you know <laughs> effectively they've been turned into some players <laughs> yeah basically they have
2: yeah and it's just kind of masculine style and obviously you know that you know then you know they're not going to end up in the water but it's about as close as you get to their
0: well, they do. Yeah, they do of... end up in the water. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. You're right. Yeah, yeah they do. And then, mm-hmm. and then they're saved by the twins and drop back in due to the shock of realizing the twins are alive. Yeah, got and then the they're pulled out and drop back <laughs> in again. <laughs> it just it has multi layers to it. This film, as you said, yeah. it feels yeah. like a film that happens to be with these guys in. It seems, yeah, rather beautiful. than specific. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's my um,
1: that's my number three. And it's got James Finlayson in it, playing an engineer as well. Can't. Can't forget him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah make
2: yeah, his yeah, customary yeah, appearance. Quite, quite a sly character, because he, obviously he's um, he's kind of saving, he's kind of trying to save up, isn't he? He's trying to save up all his money, and he says to Burt that he'll look after their money to help them become richer, I guess. And then he refuses yeah, you know, to give it's,
0: back the money investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: all of that. that but. No, it is. It's um, it's a great one. So it, It's probably the one that works as as well as a proper feature
0: film as any really yeah i
2: think i think i add on
0: from me yeah i think it's really well constructed it's a great film good choice i knew it'd be in your list because you mentioned it to me before that, but it was
1: right kind of in the middle of their kind of what you would call their kind of golden period
0: yeah um, kind of you'd had um
1: babes in toilet and bonnie scotland bohemian girl then they did our relations and then after that it was go into my notes way out west and then pick a star swiss miss blockheads flying juices you know that's when they, i think they were they, they were definitely at their peak it really
2: has
0: so yes,
1: much in their arc of um of peak
0: it's, it's got that classic hollywood feel hasn't it whereas anything else they've done tends to or a lot of most of what they've done is is just, it's Laurel and Hardy stuff. Whereas this is more classical Hollywood film, which just happens to have yeah. those it's quite have lots quite of a big, stories, don't you? In it's
2: quite show. a big cast. And actually, you know, a lot oh. of the, a lot of the, um, they're not they're not necessarily at the centre of everything that goes on.
0: Yeah. That's it. No, that's right. Yeah, exactly. There's more to it than meets the eye. And you've got classic uh, gangster types in there and that sort of thing as well, haven't you? Yeah. Not too bad at all. Good choice. So um, to my number three then? Yeah. We're number three. We are at number three, aren't we? So I've, I've gone for one of the classics. You guys may have it higher. Um, I, I hope it's in your top five. Uh, Way Out West, the 1937 classic. Hour and Six Minutes qualifies as a feature. Um and it's uh, started, sorry, directed by James W. Horn. He did quite starred, a few of their films, didn't did he? There are other ones, yeah. Charlie Rogers involved in the original story, along with a guy called Jack Javine, and also um, uh, a screenplay by Felix Adler. Um, and this is the story of two... Affable buffoons. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are- How they got this job in the first place? I, yes. I, I dread to see. <laughs>
1: it's yeah. They're ambling across. Not, not touched on, is it? This cross- person's cross- never
2: seen any of their other their other work.
1: Yeah. And it it also, this one also seems to have gone back in history about 50 years from where America was at the time. It's suddenly become a Western that's never kind of fully explained.
0: Why, Phil, why wasn't this our number one when we did Westerns? That's why (laughs) I Well, This is actually, this is my number one. Oh, wow. That's a plot spoiler. Uh, yeah. fair enough it it's brilliant my it of top three in my opinion are brilliant films it's brilliant. my number it's my
1: number two, so we will
0: be coming back to me oh. after this so okay, yeah. brilliant yeah, so that saves us a bit so we could we can share this one out Phil, but if i do the if i do the yeah top then so they're ambling across the countryside uh, uh, ollie later says oh i'm I'm a southern boy, and they- <clears throat> They've clearly come from somewhere that's gone to somewhere that's not the south, so they've walked God knows how long to get to this town this one one horse town as it's described by one of the characters, in order to deliver the rushwood Gulch, isn't it or something like that yeah. yes that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it, that's it and they they walk they're walking along and um they've 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 made this long journey in order to deliver the news and the deeds. Um, related to an inheritance, um, Mary Goldmine, isn't it? Yeah, Goldmine. Yeah, Mary Roberts' uh, father has died, and he's left his entire fortune to his, I think, his only daughter, uh, Mary Roberts, who's been left in the guardianship of a, what is now, at least, a saloon owning couple um, who are a little bit chancerish in their nature shall we say along the way they're walking along doing the usual slapstick stuff Ollie's being dragged along by a donkey and then the bit where
1: they have to walk across that sort of ford (laughs) Oliver just goes all the way (laughs) under that's the first really big laugh isn't it
0: (laughs) And of course he keeps going into the same thing yeah uh, several times including right at the end of the film which of course you can see coming a million miles away but it's still funny um and what happens is, of course, being a bit naive and Stan tending to explain stuff that's supposed to be kept quiet, which is another recurring thing yeah. for Hardy. Um, they get to the saloon bar, they ask about Mary Roberts. Uh, the barman uh, is, is answering the question. The owner hears it, comes over, says, I'm her guardian. What's this all about? And finds out that it's to do with this deed. And of course, instead of giving the information to his uh well effectively is ward, uh, yeah. ward which is basically the kitchen help you know yeah. so, um as, as he's arranged it uh he tells his actor slash singer wife who basically is the end she's N- a, N- a sort of
1: saloon singer isn't she yeah, yeah. a bit vampish. Yeah. A
0: bit, you expect bit, to see her turn up in blazing saddles yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> and you put blazing saddles into so you should have had way did, yeah. there as well <laughs> but anyway i'm in the western one but um yeah, so so they, they concoct a notion, a pretty easy scam to con these people into thinking that Mary Roberts is, in fact, um, the wife of the saloon bar owner, who is played, of course, by James Finlayson. It's his yes. sort of biggest role, I think, in any of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, they quickly dupe them, and so they they get stuff sorted. There's a whole load of then immediate realisation, followed by chasing around, trying to get the deed back, in the upstairs room of the saloon, and all sorts of other stuff goes on. Um, they, they, they try to burgle at night, and again, a bit like um, the uh, night owls film that I was talking about. The shorts, yeah, last episode. Um, there's the, one of the noisiest burglaries you could possibly imagine. Yeah, <laughs> where they fall through roofs, be, they smash through I mean. windows. Yeah, they, I think they're playing a the piano at one point. No, that's the uh, that's the the other guy, isn't it? Um, but. Um, all sorts of shenanigans occur. And essentially...
1: The, 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 the bedroom scene in this is is just classic, is Oh, yeah, it, the, the tickling.
0: Yeah. yeah, the tickling scene <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: is classic. It's so good, isn't it? Stan, of course, this is, that gets yeah. ticked, And he's laughing. And long after he's not being tickled anymore, he can't stop laughing. Yeah. The point <laughs> Which the means you can't, can't stop
1: laughing watching it. he's laughing so much. He hands over
0: the deed, doesn't he? Yes. He's laughing so much. he's
2: hidden in his shirt, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. that 's right, he puts it in his um, inside shirt pocket or whatever, yeah, yeah, and it it continues on and again another recurring theme the the infectious laughter thing there's a there 's a couple of other scenes where people start laughing and they start laughing, and then it looks bad when another character turns up on the scene that they 're laughing with this woman or whatever it might be, and in this particular case it 's not that it 's it 's just a matter of narrative um uh, I've, I've, well, it's not good for them for their narrative <laughs> that they are giving away the deeds, but it's it's hilarious and um, it it's great, yeah. And is this the film where the donkey ends up in the balcony, or is that another film? Yeah, I think? Yes, is it is. Yeah, yeah
1: when they it is. Get the it is yeah. Oh yeah,
0: because it pulls them down the stairs and destroys. Them. Yeah, that whole <laughs> sequence.
1: Yeah. It's part of their, their very quiet burglary. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's also it's also the one where uh, Stan has a, a hole in his shoe. And oh yeah, yeah. And it was a, oh yeah. That's where he was hiding the deeds, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and he a bit of meat in there, I think. trying Yeah, get he's getting killed by dogs and stuff. Isn't yeah. It? yeah.
2: <laughs> but it's um I quite enjoy it because it's almost you get the way I think about it. Is it's basically like Cinderella, isn't it? Stan and Ollie yeah. are effectively these fairy godmothers. Yeah.
1: Um, thought and Mary Roberts
2: being. She's being kind of, you know, she's basically been kept in the Cinderella role. Yeah. I mean, the cooking clean, and not get any of her stuff. So it's this really kind of bizarre, bizarre thing. But like I said, there's so many good scenes in it. You couldn't really even decide. I mean, we've talked about Stan lighting his thumb. You know, yeah. And then obviously kind of, and then you've got him also losing his thumb or losing his thumb when he's trying to tight, and then actually bringing the stagecoats to a stop by just flashing his legs. Yeah. Which I'm guessing is the tip of the hat to... It happened one night, isn't it? Oh yeah, it must be. 100%. I think, yeah,
1: I think at, at that time there were a lot of Gene Autry musical westerns and I think it riffs and sort of sat yeah, on that. A lot of that. And I think it got a lot of their crowd as well. I think this did pretty good business.
0: We haven't, yeah. we've talked about music before, but we haven't mentioned the music in this film. Of course, it's got, it's got two um, classic scenes involving music. And Phil, I know you, you said you're not a big fan of musicals, yeah. but music
1: in... It, 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 I, mean, this one, I mean, the same guy who wrote their theme tune, that, that Marvin Hatley, he, he, he got the Oscar for this, sort of, for music.
0: Oh right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because actually the songs uh, in it are great. There's two scenes. One when they first arrive in town with a, a group called the Avalon Boys, who uh, essentially yeah. like the barbershop quartet type of style of singing. Yeah. They sing and they they arrive and they 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 start tapping their feet and they start dancing in tune with these guys who who are doing this this purely a cappella. Um alt, yeah. kind of western y sort of sing- song, aren't they? Which is pretty earwormy actually. It's quite catchy. And then um, Yeah, exactly. And all, all the DVDs I've got the box set, they've got the bloody thing run. Oh, it's it's stuck in my everyday. Runs, back pain, doesn't it? It's
2: yeah. Like on the menu. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And they're dancing away to it and they end up turning it into a tango at one point. And I've gotta say, yeah. Hardy can move pretty sharply with his little twists. Yeah, he can. And I think oh, yeah. it, it's another Ian voice as well. Actually, is pretty good. Not yeah. in this film, but in general, their total
2: innocence, isn't it? Mm. It just illustrates just how that they're just—they're basically just going to have a laugh whenever yeah. the opportunity turns up.
0: Yeah, and I love the scene where they then finish the song. So Lauren Hardy walks through the saloon bar entrance, and you just see an appreciative kind of like um, chuckle from the from the singers as well, as if to go, "Ah, oh, that was good." They joined in. That's great. The other scene, including singing, of course, is one of the most famous bits about Laurel and Hardy, which I can't believe I didn't think about until we started talking about this film, but of course we have to now that we are talking about it, is On the Trail of the Lonesome Pine, which many people that don't know much about Laurel and Hardy will know about, which is a classic song. It's an old sort of... um, Is it... uh, What's it called? The uh, uh, Something Asians Mountains in... um, Anyway, the blue... It's the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, hasn't it? Yeah. On the trail of the Lonesome Pine, and there is a brilliant gag in there where well, it's a double gag. Um, Oliver Hardy, who's got a good singing voice, is singing along with some guy in the bar. He joins in and seems to be fine. It's going well. Stan's joining in in the background as an accompaniment, and and then suddenly he his voice, his, voice, <laughs> um, his complete voice tone changes. He gets banged on the head, doesn't he? By I can't remember by the what man.
2: That. There's,
0: uh, Ollie asks the barman for a mallet. Oh, yes, that's right. Because yes. <laughs> he's getting annoyed with Stan joining in. Yeah. Stan on the head, and Stan suddenly has this enormously deep voice who's joining in, and then he gets hit again, doesn't he, and goes into a complete falsetto as well. Yeah. Obviously, these, this isn't him singing. It's uh, it's a deep-voiced guy in a high-pitched girl's voice. Uh, the
2: but... deep voice is one of the Avalon boys. Um oh, is it? Is yeah. I think for it? Yeah. I think so, oh, yeah. Good
0: knowledge, good knowledge, Robin. And then knowledge. he falls asleep perfectly, well, falls down and
2: ends up falling asleep. He ends up asleep perfectly on, I think it's one of the footrests under the bar or something, isn't it? Yeah. That he ends up uh, falling down to. That's right,
0: yeah. So his
2: really, singing voice is, I mean, all of the hardest singing voices, um, it's great,
0: isn't it, actually? Yeah, what is that baritone or is that tenor? I don't know what.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I think it's probably more yeah tenor, isn't it? Whichever one slightly I think it's higher. tenor.
0: It sounds like Joseph Locke, it, or isn't it? One of those kind of guys. And yeah. of course,
2: the um, the thing about that because it was Loans and Pine" was actually released in the UK charts. about yeah. 1975, cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Basically. I mean, got I'm, to number two. Got yeah. to number two in the English chart solely yeah, yeah. because John Peel. John Peel was plugging it on Radio One.
0: Oh, brilliant! Oh, fantastic.
2: Yeah, I think he had, the, he had the evening show on Radio One at that point, point. and he plunged it quite hard, and it reached number two.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know where it seeps into my consciousness that song because Lauren and Hardy, in general, I remember the whole thing with watching films on TV, and I remember that song, but I don't know where it fits in together. Did I hear the song first? Maybe I don't, I don't know, but it's a, it's a classic. Um,
2: probably, yeah, I don't know. of I think the song was written in like the early. 1900s, I think, wasn't it? So it wasn't yeah. it's been around for a
1: while, but it was a traditional it, one, yeah.
2: Yeah, had this came out, but yeah, say so it's, um, like I said earlier, Russ, I mean, any of these could have been number one, really.
1: Yeah.
2: This one, I just, yeah, it's just because it, it, again, it's another one that works as a, as a story, but it's just, yeah, it's just, it's got so many famous scenes. And in fact, the one, the bit that we've not mentioned, Russ, you were saying when they're fighting over the deed. And they end up upstairs, and I just that bit where Ollie's just constantly blowing it, just so it's just a little bit out of Finn's reach
0: every time. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> totally lost, it? Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. There's some great lines in it as well. We've mentioned some of them already. There's one which, um, when they're trying to con them out of the deed, Lola Marcel, which is the saloon wife, says, um, "Tell me, tell me about my dear." Dad, d- dead daddy, um, is he? Is it true that he's dead? And Stan goes, "Well, I hope he is. They buried him." <laughs> 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 there's, there's loads of those kind of lines all the way through the film. So it's, it, it,
1: like
2: it's just this literal character again, isn't it? This no, yeah. kind
0: of um, He always is this literal kind of figure, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah the, well, one, of, he is. one of the other lines that Oliver Hardy
1: uses in this line is, "A lot of weather we've been having lately." <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant! That must almost be a. Isn't that some sort of running joke with knowing Stan was a British guy originally, and Brits are known for talking about the weather? I'm wondering if there's yeah, some running
2: probably, like, been a long hidden long joke there. Yeah,
0: maybe. But um, it, yeah, it's, it's great in so many ways. The more I'm talking about this, the more I'm wondering whether I've put it in the right position in the uh, in my top five. But it's a lovely... say, This is
2: what I said earlier. Positions have changed. This earlier yeah. it moved from number three to number one to me. Yeah. Well Phil say, and I have yeah. had this
0: Phil of, Phil and I have had this quandary a number of times number yeah. of occasions where we've we've changed our our top fives in the run up to during and remember our... you
1: changed John Hank, Tom Hanks during, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I <did> that.
0: <laughs> I couldn't help myself. It was just yeah. too hard. It was too hard to, to pick. Anyway, there we go. So what so um,
2: this is your was this a so this is your was this your three or two?
0: This is my number three, and I'm and lost. My number
1: there. two. So I. Your number two. This is yeah. where we
0: normally would break. I think, if I'm right, for a little bit of a breather. Would would that?
1: Work? So just one of one of one other, sort of the quick note. So um, this is definitely my favourite James Findlayson performance. So his his character in this is called Mickey Finn.
0: Which, as I changed his name this time.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, but which, as I understand it, so Mickey Finn was a kind of Chicago landlord um, who ran a bar in the late 19th, early 20th century. And he used to put drugs in his client customers' drinks so that he could rob them. So, if you've ever heard of drugs being put in people's drinks, they're called Mickey Finns.
0: Yeah, I've, I have heard oh, of that. Yeah, sure. So I'm presuming
1: yeah. that that is, the, the that is who who his character is named after. Yeah. yeah. Interesting.
0: I do love those in, in references. It's great. It yeah. adds extra layers to the story. That's a good shout, actually, Phil. Yeah, I have heard of that. Mickey yeah. It's one of the hustle uh, one of the descriptions, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That, which reminds me, actually, going back to heist movies, you remember in Ocean's Eleven where there's a scene with George Clooney and Matt Damon, and they're talking about, are we going to be able to do this? And they list about eight or nine oh, different hustles. we to have, yeah, to have yeah. two, one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. list all the titles. It's great. <laughs> I love all that stuff. Yeah, brilliant. Right. Well, we we already know what your number two is going to be, Phil. But we're going to probably have a break there, and then we'll yeah, talk cool. about, uh, well, Robin's and my number twos, and our all of our number ones in part two. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. And so to Laurel and Hardy, episode two, part two. We've already found out what Phil's number two in the charts is. Remind us, Philip, very briefly after you finish that, sweetheart.
1: I'm on the, I've, I've never heard of Vocation Brewery before. I'm on. The, oh, the bro- the Vocation's bro-
0: very good. Yeah, bro- with it, it's all right. Yeah. If you want to advertise <laughs> us? We'll mention you every week.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's obviously way out west. Ah yes, well, I was expecting us to have the same number ones and number two. So when you had number three, I was
0: quite shocked. You'll be surprised with my number one. That's all I'll say. OK, okay you've got Way Out West at number two. Robin, what have you got at number two? My number two is, is a film that probably lots of people would have at number one, uh, Sons of the Desert. That's my number 2 as well. Yeah, it's my number 1. <laughs> oh, oh, excellent. So from 1933
2: running time just under 65 minutes. Um this is I mean, it's the it's the classic storyline that's kind of been I think the Flintstones have, have ripped off this storyline. Yeah. I think it's been in a few other sitcoms. Um so it's a kind of quite a well-trodden um path and it's another one of these where you can see the you're not quite sure how it's going to go wrong specifically, but you know that they're not going to get away with it. And this is um, this is set so Stan and Ollie are members of a essentially a, a Masonic also, lodge. Yeah. Um, and when they're at this meeting, whoever the what do they call the um, they call the leader. I oh. they
0: use, They stumble. They stumble over the name. I again. think it's what Stan calls them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> So they, they make all of the members take, swear an oath that they're going to go and attend the, the lodge or the, the, the kind of the lodges big convention which is going to happen in Chicago. And they,
0: and and they also the say theory, that no one's ever broken the oath, don't they? Yeah, yeah you have
2: to go. go, basically. If you've taken the oath, you've got to go. And the, the tone is set pretty early because Ollie convinces Stan to take the oath to attend the convention and kind of trying to assure him that, that Mrs Lowell will definitely let him go once she's heard that he's sworn this oath to attend. And as it happens, of course, it's Mrs. Hardy who actually puts her foot down more strongly when it comes to not going and <laughs> she's trying to trip to the mountains instead. Um, and you get this whole, the whole focal point of the, of the film becomes where does Stan's ultimate loyalty lie? Is it with his wife or is it with Ollie? And you get this kind of, that becomes the kind of the, the seesaw that you get throughout the,
1: it's not often and you then, see Stan, Stan with a wife, is it? It's normally Oliver has no, a wife. Yeah, uh, exactly. he's he's Bush again few
0: the times, times, but yeah, yeah, yeah. less so. Yeah. And you get they obviously There's come up. Poster, with, by the way,
2: yeah, it's another one that's a bit creepy, isn't
0: it? Mm. The, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they all yeah. look a bit angular and a bit odd. Yeah. Anyway, yeah.
2: But so they come up with this. Obviously, they come up with this quite clever ruse where they get a doctor. Well, he's a vet, isn't he? He's a vet. Uh, yeah. A he's a vet to um to basically. The order that they take a cruise to honolulu to cure ollie's fake illness um and it shows you again at, at heart they're actually quite ingenious with these these schemes that they come up with there's absolutely nothing wrong with the idea at all um and it's, it's of course the fact they have these lofty ideas that make the inevitable when it goes wrong sort of all the more satisfying i think um so obviously they, they go off to chicago having um, I don't really. They, 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 they yeah, they, t- they tell their
1: wives they're on a cruise to Honolulu. Yeah,
2: right? to Honolulu.
1: And I think, I don't and think.
0: Wives, wives have gone have to the really mountains, haven't they?
2: There. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> they fully, they're not sure they're fully on board. Either way, they they've pitched off to Chicago, um, and they meet this really annoying prankster, uh, who's obviously played by Charlie Chase. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a, it's quite a nicely kind of finely woven plot point that the prankster turns out to be the brother of Mrs. Hardy, yeah, um, and then, yeah she hasn't spoken know. to her in
1: twenty years. Yeah, yeah, some of that. And, and um, obviously, Ollie
2: then ends up speaking on the phone, doesn't he, to what is that? Who is that? Is actually his wife, and <laughs> sort of almost trying to convince her it's not him. And again, you think that's probably the first, the first telltale sign um, that something's going to go quite, quite badly wrong. And I think yeah. with Charlie Chase's character, again, it. It's going back to that Richard DeVay thing, there's a certain David Brent quality. Yeah. To the, to the planks that you can see, this person who's just sort of it's very irritating, it basically shouldn't, is very unfunny as a character. Yeah. But you actually can't help but laugh. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's a bizarre one. And obviously you then get the, um,
1: you know. He was, the, a, he was and... a sort of writer-director, wasn't he, Charlie Chase? I yeah. think he wrote yes, and yeah. director quite a lot of their films, yeah. Who's another kind of how Roach stalwart? Yeah. yeah, there seems to be, like I said earlier, there
2: seems to be a whole gang of them who must have been sort of on the, on the staff, as it were. Yeah, May Bush again is Lottie
1: Hardy. Yeah.
2: So there's a few that reprise their role. And then you get, obviously, the, um, the, well, the sort of unpredictable but predictable downfall comes when, of course, the discovery that the, the ocean liner that the boys should have been on in Honolulu was sunk in a typhoon, I think. Um, you get them, you know. You get them. Then
0: returning for as Stan calls it. Yeah, yeah.
2: You get them returning home early, don't you? And then they're hiding in their attic, their own yeah. attic, they live in they live in next door houses, but the attic is shared, isn't it?
0: Yeah, um, so that's right. And and the whole thing about the neighbours thing is is played up, isn't it, with doorbells and going in. And out doorbell, and yeah, they get, they, yeah. They get they get answered by the
1: Yeah, whose
2: house is actually who? Um, and then you get the, of course, the the highlight is when the wives discover their husband's deceit whilst watching a newsreel
0: from the yeah. convention at
2: the cinema. Um, and you, um, I say, when you watch this film, you know that they're going to get rumbled somehow, yeah. somewhere. You know that it's going to come falling down. But actually, I say, as a, I remember vividly watching this for the first time and not predicting that that was how they were going to get rumbled. Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> This is quite a quite a creative way, and the fact the sheer joy on their face at the convention, probably you know, seeing a camera, seeing that they're being filmed, and obviously having again this kind of innocence where they have not even considered for a moment that they that they might you know
0: this whoever's filming yeah. this it might be the innocence best bit the way that uh, Ollie goes <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> he sort of curves his at his head and drifts out of sc- out of shot brilliantly. Completely ab- um, abandoned, as they would call it at the time.
2: Yeah, so it, it's um, and yeah, you know, you retain, you return to this kind of central focal point, which is Stan. Ultimately, has to make this decision because to- his wife just doesn't
1: believe that he would lie to her, does she? It's yeah, quite exactly.
2: Exactly. And ultimately, he decides you know honesty is the best policy, and he gets rewarded for it. Yes. You know, Ollie, you know, surrounded by literal destruction, as you know, entire. Of um, entire cabinets of uh, of crockery are broken around him. So it's, it's funny. It's you get the You know, Stan didn't really what. Stan wasn't particularly keen to go on this trip in the first place, and yet he ends up, you know, getting off pretty much scot free, having having thoroughly enjoyed himself. Um, and whereas Ollie, of course, gets the predictable um, the predictable results of um, of uh, of his actions.
0: It's slapstick, it's farce, it's... um... I think it's got the tightest dialogue
1: out of any of their films. I think it really is.
2: You know, it actually works. You know, the arc of the plot actually works well because you do buy, you know, you absolutely buy into this. You know it's going to, you know you're building up to this bit where it's going so well and you know, even if you haven't watched any of their other stuff, you know that just as a film watcher, you know that it's going to go wrong.
0: Yeah. yeah. just
2: it's got that, that, how it's gonna happen.
0: It's got that comedy of manners thing, hasn't it, which so many classical Hollywood films do have in the 30s, forties, even into the fifties. So you've got these scenario, these these sort of social drama slash comedy things, in this case comedy, where you, you did you know roughly how it's gonna pan out and it, it, it feels both comforting and puts you on edge at the same time. Because you're, yeah. you're, you're, oh, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, you know, usual thing you it, have it's go through. unusual
2: the in that um, you normally get these films ending where you know both of the boys are, have ended it in, in a similar way. I.e., normally have gone wrong. So it's quite unusual yeah. to do one where Stan has, you know, Stan has come out on top. Yes, you know, in this instance,
0: it's great. And again, you've got that's a great film. film, great one. You've got the scenario of the wives as, as these daunting figures, not to be messed with, and you've got these really futile gestures of defiance by usually Ollie. Yeah. Uh, which is just going nowhere. You know they're going nowhere the moment he starts trying. <laughs> and and, and yeah. of course,
2: the, um, the, the Laurel and Hardy fan club is called Sons of the Desert.
0: Yeah. Yes, indeed. It's a
2: worldwide yeah. thing. And they all have, whatever city you're in, whatever tent is
0: there. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's all a, a bit that's all a bit weird, isn't it? When when I yeah, first came to bit. doing the research, I was thinking, "Sons of the Desert" is that the one when they joined the Foreign Legion? It sounds like it, yeah, yeah. it should yeah. be, shouldn't it? No, no it's it's like, not it's not the title doesn't quite go with it. But, um, yeah, I
1: think it was originally so released a, under the title "Fraternity Yours," but it got yeah in yeah, the UK.
2: Yeah, yeah It had a, yeah. Different, had, a, had a different name.
0: Can I just? I'm add not quite sure
2: why I say it's not like it wouldn't translate. No. It seems
0: like universal, you know, it's comedy of manners and all that sort of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so anyway, one, one bit of trivia I've got to read out from IMDb. I think this is great. It says, according to the studio publicity releases, scenes had to be shot, free, sorry, reshot frequently because director and crew would often break up in laughter over the star's antics. The story went <laughs> on to assert that Stan Laurel's expression in the scene with Charlie Chase was so funny that it completely upset the equanimity of Hardy, and it was several minutes before the latter was able to regain his composure. (laughs) You want
1: to see the outtakes now, don't you?
0: Yeah, I do. He goes on to say, according to film historian Richard W. Ban, a specialist on the films uh, produced by Hal Roach, um, Hal Roach had recalled in, in 1979 how often such things happened on set. I was never upset that it was costing me money, he said, I was upset that we couldn't use some of the funniest scenes we saw every day, the ones that were ruined by cast and crew members breaking up. So, in essence, yeah. it was too funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's testament, that's isn't great. it? That's, that's I mean, the greatest no. possible.
2: I mean, yeah, and the fact you've got these people who are working on set, you know, professionally, they're not there as fans backstage. Yeah. They know are, what they're to they're do and
0: what it. not to do, but they can't yeah. help yeah. themselves. Yeah, but they just can't
2: help it. That's the greatest yeah. endorsement yeah. of all, probably.
1: Yeah, what a great
0: film, what a great film.
1: Brilliant. Like quite a lot of their other good films, it was also a kind of remake of one of their shorts. So um, I think there was a 1928 short called We Fall Down, and uh, there's another short called Be Big, which is pretty much the same storyline as well. I haven't seen either of those. No, I haven't seen either of them.
0: No, I've not not done either. Absolutely. We've let you down oh, yeah, this my, we've, never, um, we've not watched everything <laughs>
2: yeah not yet.
0: that's my number two excellent brilliant and it's and it's my number two as well and uh, my number so, one and it's your number one so <laughs> robin we're back to you very quickly well, i've yeah. done my number one, my number oh, one was way out west. yeah oh yes so of course my number one so we're
2: back so, to you for the final bloody hell one. this
0: is like um pass the parcel isn't it yeah yeah so just to clarify i'm the very last person to say something about any of the films in terms of new information yeah yes well i can now reveal that my number one is a film we have already talked about we've i think already had in our top fives and i love this film very very much indeed our relations which we, we spoke about before the one with the twins in it um yeah we we've talked about most of what we wanted to talk about already and I I've, I've held a little bit back just to try and give it something because I knew this wasn't going to be anyone else's number 1 but I I think this is just brilliant I think it's it hits so many notes there's so much detail in the story there's so many levels to this film that I appreciate it on that level beyond the old Laurel and Hardy elements just Purely as a film, I think this has so much to it. It's it's comedy of errors. It's Shakespeare, isn't it? Essentially, this this mistaken identity, this dual roles. I mentioned the cer- cerebral element of the throwing in loads of extra elements, so all the audience have to really interact with the film, not just appreciate, enjoy, laugh, and so on. But they've got to. You've got to keep thinking. Right, hang on. Is this because because they keep changing? They keep not. You haven't just got the two pairs ambling in and out of scenarios you've got them alternating with each other as well uh, two or three moments haven't you during the yeah. in that plush restaurant bar place called the pirate club i think it's called um yeah. which which are brilliant because you've got a scene where um stan again in a moment of of Saf- no no it's ollie it's ollie puts um slips the 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 ring in the pocket of Stan, oh, it's the other train. Oh yeah, yeah, Stan. Yeah, yeah. And the ring being a delivery which was supposed to be received at the ship, uh, which Stan and Ollie were supposed to bring at four o'clock to meet up with the. I think it's the main boss of the boat, wasn't it? It's not the captain, which is James Finlayson. It's his boss. He's supposed to be coming to receive this ring uh and meet them at this place but of course stan and ollie have met two girls and loads of other complications have ensued so the ring ends up in different hands at different points it's a deposit in advance of paying a bill which doesn't get paid then it gets swapped around but different characters have come and gone so the rings changed hands in ways it shouldn't have done and then they go to this restaurant and there's loads of other different changes of hands going on and when the ring slipped into the pocket of, uh, of, one, of the, one of the characters, these gangsters had spotted it and they bring in a whole new element, which leads to the concrete subutio bases on the dockside and all the other stuff. I just think there's so many layers to this film. You can enjoy it in different ways over and over again. And I think they're all interchangeable, the top threes, top fours of all of our, all of our selections, really. Um, but for me, I just think this film had so many details to it I, I had to put it in number one. I just thought it was absolutely
2: I think it could have been, it could easily have been my number one as well. And I think what you've said there, that there's so many different elements to it and yet they managed to bring it all together on yeah. a kind of satisfactory conclusion, despite having all these various threads that they've got to yeah. kind of tie up.
0: There's, 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 James Finlayson is, is the disreputable kind of next in command in the sh- on the ship, isn't he? And he, he dupes yeah. him into, lending, into giving the money, supposedly for investment, and he's stolen it essentially. And yeah. he's supposedly sewn it into his clothing. They tie him up and steal his clothes as a punishment. I mean, it, goes to, to the, <laughs> it goes off
2: to the it goes off to the pawn. They go and pawn it, don't oh, they? Pawn it, yeah.
0: And so in his suit. Yeah, it's,
2: yeah, I mean it's quite intricate. It's quite a kind of. Um, chaotic plot line yeah. but yeah they it's managed
0: Stan and Ollie got, have got um, regular girlfriends who are about to become white or fiancés aren't yeah. they? They're on the verge of that and, and everything's completely fine but of course because of the mistaken identity and um, a, a few chance moments comments and things that happen to work out a certain way, complications ensue and it, it's just fantastic fun, it's great fun Love, it. absolutely love it Brilliant. Anyway, Quite a lot of overlap again then.
1: Yeah.
0: I know we, yeah. In the end, we found our overlaps, didn't we, Phil? I knew we'd find them in the end. Yeah, yeah. So should we sum, summarise our top fives then? So number five, let's go with you first, Phil, because you revealed... The
1: Flying things. Juices.
0: Yep. Robin, your number five was... Six, And mine was The Flying Juices. And then at number four, Phil had...
1: <laughs> I've got my bits of paper in front of me Clambering amongst I'm his place? notes He's got I'm written number, notes I moved to so the number injection four injections.
0: I had Swiss Miss Swiss Miss, that's right,
1: yeah Blockheads for me
0: And Blockheads for me
1: And I had Blockheads at
0: three
2: I had Our Relations at three
0: And I had Way Out West at number three And I had Way Out West at number two
1: I had Sons of the Desert at number two And so did I and then I had Sons of the Desert at number one.
2: I had Way Out West at number one.
0: And I had Our Relations. And so we had oh, Yeah. It.
2: There's a lot of predictably a lot of um a lot of crossover. But actually I think it like you said, most of the ones that we picked are from that kind of golden age. Yeah. As they'll say, you know, towards the end of their period. The sort of mid late thirties, yeah. Yeah, mid uh, to late thirties are where most of these come from. I mean if you they're look getting, at
0: sweat metals. And... They're getting a bit more um civil well not civilized, that's not the right word. They're, they're getting a bit more um polished and a little bit more Hollywoodized, weren't they? But just in the right way. It was that there was a there was a perfect storm just for a short while where all of the best bits
1: met with I think that 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 was the point yeah, where they yeah. were kind of masters of their craft before yeah. they started follow- maybe following the money a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Master of the and they got the kind of, they got the creative, or, well, you know, um, Stan got the kind of the creative freedom to obviously, you know, deliver a lot of this, a lot of this stuff. But if you look at the years, I mean, Way Out West was 1937, Sons of the Desert was 33, um, well, uh, is 36. 36. So it's all really between 33 and 38. Yeah. Um, yeah. for these ones. So it's that, that kind of period. I suppose where well, they've got their feet under the table of, of the, of the genre, and they've yeah they've um they've got the um got the creative freedom
1: to do it. So anyway, that was good fun. Enjoyed that. Yeah. So uh, any other films is uh, you'd like to mention, Russell?
0: Um. Well, in terms of feature films, um, the, the ones that missed out for me were Saps at Sea, Pack Up Your Troubles, which is a well. Pack up spot. your troubles
1: was great fun. That's 1932, yeah, wasn't it? That's on. the one where one of their that's another World War One one where a friend of yeah. theirs is killed. Uh, in action, and he has a leaving his daughter an orphan, and they try and return her to his parents yeah, and obviously everything goes wrong. I thought that 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 was quite close to getting my list. I really enjoyed that,
0: yeah um the only other one I'll mention. A chump at Oxford. Uh, interesting film. I
1: was about to mention the same one.
0: Yeah, because it's got a. There's a two reel and a three reel version. Apparently, I think it was released as two reel in America, and in and in the UK they had it as a three reel. So what they had is a whole different, effectively a different short story for about 15, 20 minutes, um, which was a, a setup, just a, a background to the characters. It then led to another one, another section where at the beginning of the the main bit which the Americans also saw, which was where they um, they capture mm-hmm. some criminals and are rewarded with, ridiculously, uh, the bank manager <laughs> says, oh, uh, we can reward you. What, what do you want? Do you want a job? And they said, oh, we, we, we'd be useless. We're stupid, effectively. He said, we, ne- we never had any education. And he says, well, I'm going to reward you by by giving you um, a, a, a scholarship at Oxford, effectively. <laughs> How yeah. that works. Yeah. It's ridiculous to start with. <laughs> so would would a bank manager finance two guys to go all the way to the UK for yeah. education, which is utterly ridiculous? But they go to they go there, and of course a load of pranksters clock that they outsiders, like fish out of water. Send them into a maze. There's a there's a classic scene in the maze where they go round and round in circles. You can imagine how that works out. And then there's a, a scene where they fool them into thinking that their their quarters within this university are in fact what is in reality is the Dean's own quarters and the Dean eventually finds them in there and hilarity and shoes, et cetera. Yeah. It's, good, it's It's really good fun. It's really good fun. It probably is one of those feature films that's been stretched out. It's not really yeah. a feature film, but it, which is why I didn't make the top five, but it's good fun. Um, and um, yeah, pack up your tramples I mentioned. No more to mention, really, my side of it. What about um,
1: you? I it's a bit, little bit problematic. I did quite enjoy *Pardon Us*, which was their first film. Oh. Um, that's the one where they they go to prison and obviously they escape from prison and hide by black facing in a field, oh. uh, which is in this current climate is a bit dodgy. But that's, there there was
0: a. I, I was thinking about that when, but the, they mention. Um... Uh,
1: and it, they, they had their car and they were taking the soot from that and using that to hide. It. Yeah, it's. But yeah, there yeah, are, I mean, there, are there are some funny, definitely some funny moments. Uh, one out moment of time, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to look at it, You've got to um, look at it straight uh, away. Yep. Yeah. In that sense,
0: yeah. I think. I can't remember which film it was. One of the shorts, I think it was. They they're insulted. Uh, I think Ollie's insulted by being called a polywog, and I thought, what's that? That sounds like that might be offensive. And I was starting to think, oh no. Not no, they can't be doing stuff that's not PC. I know it's the old age and everything. It could have been the case, and I thought no, looks up. Sure enough, it's fine. It's just a a generic expression, a a bit of a derogatory term. You say it's fine,
1: I wouldn't want to use it.
0: Yeah, well, no, it's nothing to do with race (laughs) at all. So I thought, okay, great, that's that's all right. And then now you've thrown this spanner in the works, for Yeah,
1: I do apologise. Um, another film of theirs, it was all right, it wasn't great, it was called The Bohemian Girl, but it has got one of my favourite sequences in it, which is where um, they're, they're making their own wine and Stanley is trying to siphon it into bottles <laughs> and ends up, and it keeps fizzing up so he keeps drinking it so it's not to waste it it gets absolutely paralytic that is, is, is one of my favourite sequences, I really did enjoy that. Um, one of the more famous films that a lot of people rate quite highly is um, Babes in Toyland*. I really didn't get on with that at all, that was like their kind of fairy tale yeah. one it was a sort of musical it was missing a, a lot of the sort of fun really for me it was a, yeah not, not for me, thank you. It's based on an opera, isn't it? I think. I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the only other thing that's come to mind, actually, you just mentioned. I know you mentioned musicals, and surprise, surprise, that didn't make your top five. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's that great, yeah. anyway. but um, the other motif from Lauren and Hardy, which I've just thought of as well, which is very distinctive, is mal- malapropisms uh, from Stan Laurel. He, he often gets well all the way through all the films he, he throws in words at the wrong words so you get for example there's one scene in a film called the laurel hardy murder case which is one of the shorts where um he says uh september october no wonder feb <laughs> <You> know, he's, <laughs> he's got these constant tangles of yeah. and things like that which, which is just brilliant and i think that that again it shows his acting quality because he yeah he, does it off the well? Not off the cuff, but it seems like he's doing it off the cuff. He looks completely comfortable doing it. You can see the music hall and the theatre and the the old school stage history. Well, one of
1: played. the other things that he did, he used to take the heels off his shoes, so he'd be flat footed. So he would like move in a sort of slightly different way. But when you kind of read that, you, that makes sense because when you watch it, there's something not quite right about his movement. Mm. Yeah.
0: It's like a small scale version of Charlie Chaplin with the penguin walk, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we should do Charlie Chaplin one day as well, Phil. Yeah.
1: You. Give that another year, maybe next year. And the well, list.
0: That's the other thing as well. Um, moustaches. Oliver Hardy, final word from me Oliver Hardy. Moustache. toothbrush moustaches, I think he's officially moustache. called. Yeah. And of course, there's three people famous for that kind of mustache. Two of them Don't are in the film there. industry. Let's not mention <laughs> the other one. But two of them are in the film industry, and it's interesting. They've, they've got that same style, Charlie, and they're both from the same era. Charlie yeah. Chaplin and Oliver Hardy. Yeah, uh, my friend has a cat that looks like that too. By the way, I did call him the A word, and it, it didn't go down well. <laughs> Parody's called Charlie. Okay. <laughs> So on that note, any any further? That was great. No, thank thank you both. That's been really good fun. It's great. We've, we've done two now, Robin, where you've been our guest, um, our guest star, guest so, of honor. You are the James Bond <laughs> <Peter laughs> to our Stan and Nolly.
2: <laughs> no, it's great it's fun. It's great fun. And I think the final word for me. I think the I think the enduring appeal of it. I mean, we've talked so much about all the you know, the repeated jokes, the repeated plot lines, all of this stuff. And I think you feel like when you get to the stage, you feel like an insider. It makes you feel like you're part of something because you know you're expecting it. And you get this kind of familial um, tap on the shoulder almost that you're going to get, even though you know that there's there's a catchphrase coming or someone's going to fall into water or Ollie's going to flutter his tie or whatever it is. It makes the whole thing feel like Safe and familiar this is what I think they showed at Christmas and Thanksgiving in America, and it, you know it becomes this safe place that people go to, and it shows that even you know a hundred years later, nearly, um, people are still going back to it, which I think is probably the most enduring, and it's still deal. very
1: influential. Yeah, all.
2: yeah, yeah. The
0: c- certifications are you, aren't they? And that says it all. It's universal. Yeah,
2: no, the fact that you know it's still cropping up. Hmm. You know, I suppose even if you look at Miranda. As a sitcom, I mean that is ultimately she is basically a, a you know she is a female version of Oliver Hardy. You know, without <laughs> and that, without and that. I suppose she does have a, a stand character. But I mean that shows you that it's it's cropping up everywhere. They basically didn't create it themselves, but they basically they popularised that entire genre of comedy.
0: Yeah, it's a universality, isn't it? And and I suppose we, we said off air earlier as well the vast majority of their films are shorts that are 20 to 25 minutes long. And that yeah. is quite child-friendly. It's quite family-friendly. It's quite bite-sized in general. So people who, whatever their attention spans, whatever their age is, that, that's quite agreeable. It's quite um, accessible. And even the films, the feature-length films, are on average no yeah. more than about an hour and 10 minutes, are they? Which is, again, yeah. pretty accessible.
2: So I even- guess it's like Mr. Bean, isn't it? If you look yeah. at it, in terms of Mr. Bean, you know, it's made a mix of shorts and feature films in the same. Yeah. In the same way. That,
1: But the Mr. Bean shorts are great, and the Mr. Bean feature films, they, they yeah, oh, they're yeah, they're yeah. terrible. They're terrible. terrible. Yeah, They've they, they they managed to succeed. I mean, quite often when you have a kind of kind of rapid fire hit rate in terms of humor in this sort of show, and you try and stretch that out to feature length, it doesn't genuinely work. Yeah,
0: Mr. Bean is one of the most successful. Um, Productions of all time because it no. why because it's it doesn't need dialogue it is yeah. immediately transferable to everywhere in the world it doesn't even need the translation because it's effectively no. silent it's cinema right?
1: I, heard, yeah. I heard I read something I'm not quite sure how true this is that when, when Oliver when Lauren and Hardy made their films quite often they would film them in other languages as well by speaking pidgin sort. Of, Versions yeah. of French or Spanish yeah. that would then be overdubbed by actors from those countries later, so that they could be kind of exported all the
0: way around the world. Yeah, they've. I've got my, my box set of DVDs. I think there's a few foreign language. I haven't looked into it yet, but there's some stuff. Probably, with, it's similar to was it Norman
2: Wisdom films that became incredibly popular in Albania, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was one of it the, was the most one of the only things that was allowed to be shown shown in yeah. the country because it was so sort of non-controversial.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's family fun. And he's one of the most popular figures in Albanian in Albanian entertainment.
1: mad, isn't it?
0: Incredible. It is mad. Yeah. Anyway.
2: That was
0: Um, good fun. Thank you
2: for letting me be part
0: of that. I enjoyed that. Excellent, gentlemen. Well, we'll round it off there. So thank you very much to uh, Phil and to Robin and I've been Russell and I still am. (laughs) And until next time. We'll um, be back with Best
1: Films of 2022, won't we, at some
0: point? Yes, that's what's next up. Uh, If you want to Look us up and contact us. Have a look at the episode notes. In the meantime, um, all I can say is thank you very much for joining us, guys. And this really has been a fine mess you've got us into. A really fine (laughs) mess.